So let's, let's read uh, John 1. So, so what are we going to do on Wednesday nights? Until then, we're going to teach the Bible. You'll live. And I know you're disappointed. But uh, so it'll be February 3rd. We launched the book of Revelation. We'll be letting you know ahead of time that when the books are ready, they're also going to be available in ebooks, we believe. So you can get it as an ebook. Uh, it may even end up on Amazon, but you can sure get them here. When? Two weeks out? We're going to try two weeks out. All right. Because we have our own print shop. You didn't know that. A lot of you didn't know that. And we have our own publishing house, Turning Point Publishing. We have our own ISDN numbers. We do it all. How many of you didn't know that? We can, we can print a book as well as anything in Barnes & Noble. It's, it's all back there. So this is going to be the, the first one hot off the press, full book. And it's going to be exciting, right? Okay, let's read John 1. Hope y'all weren't recording for all that, because that would be boring on a CD to people. All right. John 1, 4 and 5. Let's read it. You've got it up there. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. Wow. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word tonight. We pray. Bless it. We pray that you will open our eyes and our ears to see and to understand who you are in the name of Jesus. Now, I want you to say something with me with your heads bowed. I want you to remember this, this Christmas season. Say with me, to understand who he is is to understand why he came. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, turn to your neighbor and tell him, that sounds true to me. To understand who he is, is to understand why he came. Thank you, Scott. Now, Jesus is described as many things in the Bible. Many, many adjectives are used to describe Jesus. Uh, the bread of life, he's called the good shepherd, he's called the door, he's called the gate, and then in his own words, the way, the truth, and the life. And he said, I'm the door. But here John describes him. And John describes him the way Jesus also described himself, which we'll read a little bit later. But John describes him as a light. Now, you've got to remember, John walked around with him. John watched him day in and day out for a little over three years. So John started thinking, you know, he, he's like this. He's like that. He's, in another place, he said he's full of grace and truth. But he said, you know, when I think about Jesus, I think he was, he was like a light. John describes him as the light of men. He's the light of men. He tells us that Jesus, as the light, shined into the darkness, and the darkness did not defeat the light. How many of you have ever seen darkness chase away light? You've never seen it, right? It can't happen. Darkness is only abs the absence of light. That's why our country is getting so dark, because our nation is shutting down the light or suppressing it, and the more they suppress it, the darker it gets. But we're not going to let that happen, right? We're going to preach Jesus and him crucified. But, but 
It says that he shined into the darkness of this world and the darkness did not defeat it, did not overcome it, did not overwhelm it. His light, John is letting us know, was and is overpowering. It's an irresistible force that cannot be successfully defeated. If you ever as a believer walked into a room full of lost people and just said the name Jesus and watch how they scurry and change the subject and, and turn away and won't look at you. Have you ever wondered, have you ever noticed that you can walk into a room and say, Buddha, and everybody will say, cool. Oh yeah, Buddha. You go in there and say with affection, Jesus. Oh man. It's like turning on a kitchen light and the cockroach is running. You know why? Because his name is light. There's power attached to that name. There there is irresistible force and power. You talk about the force being with you with Star Wars coming out, new movie. Let me tell you the real force. It's the light of Jesus. That's the force that darkness cannot win against. Now, it's Christmas season. We're all here essentially Because 21 centuries ago, a a, a common blue-collar worker named Joseph and his teenage fiancée, Mary, about 15 years old, arrived in Bethlehem when she was nine months pregnant. And things grew serious. By the time, right when they got there, she went into labor pains. It was the timing of God. It didn't happen until they got there. But as soon as they arrived, she began to experience labor pains. And when they tried to check into the local hotel, you know the story, they found a no vacancy sign hanging in the window, and it was sort of like, what now? Out of options. They walked around back where the animals were kept. I want you to think about that. The Son of God, as we've been preaching on Sundays, God wrapped in flesh, the very creator God, is about to invade the planet via the womb of Mary. And yet they're walking around back where it's dark, it's lonely, it's dirty, animals. It's like the parking lot of the hotel. And they're going to go back there and, and, and that's where God decided to let his son be born. Mary's birth pains were coming closer and closer together as they do. And Joseph did his best. Now it's just Joseph back there. Now, again, I'm going to look at me. If I had no hospital and my wife went into labor pains and, and, and it's only me, I'm Barney Fife immediately. Okay? I don't know what to do. I'd be praying in the spirit 100 miles an hour. And I'd be praying for the grace of God. Joseph did his best with a very tough situation. He tied up their camel because that's how they got there threw some blankets on the ground, stooped down, rolled his sleeves up, and helped Mary through the delivery of the baby, Jesus, right out back in the hotel parking lot. Nobody was there to witness the Christ being born, but the twinkling stars, a few barnyard animals, the unseen angels who the Bible says looked and wanted to understand what was happening. And the watchful eye of a providential, sovereign God who was working out his plan that went all the way back to Genesis chapter 3. 
when he said there was going to be a man. And he said to the devil, he's going to bruise your head. And that was the working out of it. It's working out right there. But remember now, John said that Jesus was the light. And he shined into the darkness. And you know, when you read the Bible, the Bible will interpret itself. That's one of the one of the laws of Bible interpretation. The Bible interprets itself. And when John calls Jesus a light, and Jesus said of himself, I'm the light of the world, that's nothing new. Because if you reach back to the prophets, they said the same thing. Look at what Isaiah said in Isaiah 9, verse 1. He said, there will be a time in the future. I'm quoting Isaiah. There will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles will be filled with glory. Now, look what he goes on and says. The people who walk in darkness will see a what? A great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness. Read the rest with me. A light will shine. Now, is he talking about a torch or a flashlight or a candle? No. He's talking about spiritual light. We're going to talk about it in just a moment. So Isaiah said when Jesus arrives, it's going to be like a great light has come to earth. A great light that's going to go where the the darkness is dense, where it is thick, where it's really dark. And that's where that light is going to shine. Now, the first thing I want to point out is this is speaking about spiritual light and spiritual darkness. When it says a great light, he's like a light. I am the light of the world. He that follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life, Jesus said. This is not in any way talking about light that the natural eye can see. That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about light from another dimension, the spirit dimension. The Bible teaches about a spiritual world, and guess what? Our culture does not accept what the Bible says about a spiritual world, a fourth dimension. Our culture is mainly resting in what the Enlightenment gave us. The Enlightenment of the 1800s. And the Enlightenment told us, if you can't put it in a test tube and see it or taste it or touch it or smell it or hear it, if your senses can't come into contact with it, it's not real. That's what the Enlightenment bequeathed to us in the West. And that's really where we stand today. If I can't sense it with my senses, if I can't put it in a test tube and prove it, then it's not real. But the Bible comes and tells us, tells us there's another dimension. There is a fourth dimension out there. It is in this room. It is everywhere. It is the dimension where spiritual beings exist. We battle not against flesh and blood, but against And then he goes on to list spiritual entities, spiritual personalities that inhabit a spiritual dimension. And as well, the angels live there, the cherubim, the seraphim, God, Christ. That's where they all are in the spirit dimension. And that's where this light of Jesus comes from. It's a spiritual light. So even though our secular culture doesn't acknowledge it or accept it, doesn't really matter, doesn't doesn't make it not there, it's still there. It says that the world we live in is a place of deep and profound spiritual darkness. That's what the Bible testifies about our world. 
that when it comes to the spiritual dimension of this world, it is a place of great, dense, thick darkness. It's dark because it's absent God. That is, it has rejected God and has, as a result, been plunged into darkness. I want you to listen to what John says. John speaks to this, and let, let the import of this really hit you, because this is oh so true. In 1 John five nineteen, he says, We know that we are children of God, and that the world around us is under the control of the evil one. You catch that? Another version says that the world around us is totally under the sway and influence of the devil. That's what it says. And that shouldn't shock us. Look at what's going on in the world. And tell me it's not demonic. Tell me it's not satanic. Planned Parenthood? I mean, look, I didn't come to offend, but I might offend. But when you look at an organization that is killing babies and cutting them up and selling baby parts, and you're going to tell me that's not demonic, that's not satanic, that's not evil, that's not wicked. Oh, Jeff, you don't really believe that, do you? Oh, (laughs) the videos are right there, and they were not edited, please. They're there. Look at what's going on. The, the, The war, the mayhem, the drug abuse, you just look at it, and it's easy to believe John's words that our world is under the control of the evil one. That doesn't mean the evil one owns it, but he has a huge influence on our world. And not only is our world languishing in spiritual darkness, the human race as a whole prefers this over spiritual light. Let's just listen to what Jesus said. He said, and the coming judgment is based on this fact. God's light, see how he's calling himself light? God's light came into the world, me, but people loved the darkness more than the light for their actions were evil. Now, Jesus doesn't waste words. He never wasted a preposition. Listen, Jesus said, not only do they prefer the darkness, they love the darkness. You know why? Because their their deeds are evil. So to come to light is to have your deeds exposed. So the people of this world hide in dark places, and they don't like getting around light. That's why our nation, folks, let's wake up and realize that's why our nation is wanting to shut down churches and persecute Christians and come against the Bible and eradicate our culture of everything that looks like God because their deeds are evil and they love the darkness more than the light and they don't want people of light walking around exposing their deeds. And I didn't either when I was lost. Paul the Apostle wrote about the blindness caused by spiritual darkness. He said, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see. Now, he's not talking about physical eyes. He's talking about the spiritual eyes of the soul. And look what he says. They cannot see. That's blindness. They cannot see. Can't see what? The light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ who is the image of God. So notice, they cannot see the light of the gospel. That's spiritual blindness. When you can't see something that's right in front of you, that's blindness. And that's the darkness that is in this world. But, but, but I'm going somewhere with this. I'm not here to get you down. But I am here to tell the truth about our world and what Jesus said about it, what the Bible says about it. 
So there is spiritual blindness. It's very real. You can be confronted. Jesus can stand right in front of you and you not see him. You can hear the gospel of light and not see it. I've witnessed to people. I was shocked. I used to walk away from from some people that I spent lots of time with trying to lead them to Jesus. And And I used to walk away amazed at how blind they could be. You could show verse after verse and truth after truth and and all kinds of evidences of God, and yet they remained blind. See, the Holy Ghost has to pull the scales off. The Bible also speaks about the power of spiritual, uh, spiritual darkness, the power of it. 2 Timothy 2, verse 25, Paul says, Opponents of truth must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth, and that they will come to their senses. Listen to how he describes people who are spiritually blind, who are ensnared by the darkness. He says they need to come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. Wow, that's a mouthful. Did you catch that? That that if you're not a child of God through Christ, the enemy has you trapped. And what is he doing as you're trapped by his power? He is using you to do his will. That's why I say there's no such thing as a neutral person. There's no such thing as a self-made man. You can't say as a man who is not a Christian, well, I'm my own man. No, you're not. Well, I'm my own woman. No, you're not. Because you're either serving, according to this, the devil, doing his will, or you're serving God, doing his will. But is there a neutral? I used to preach, get off that fence. Now I know there's no fence. You're in or you're out. You're with him or you're not. You're saved or you're lost. Okay? And so he's he's saying here, wow, the devil takes you captive so that he can use you to do his will. And so what does Jesus say? Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. What's a yoke? It's when someone, it's when you are subservient to someone leading you. The devil drives you. Jesus leads you. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly of heart, you will find rest for your souls. Rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So these people who say, I'm not going to be a Christian. Man, I can't live up to all those rules and regulations. That's too hard. No, Jesus said, my burden is light. You all know what's hard? Sin. Sin is hard on you. Sin is hard on you. But not Jesus. So, He says here the power of spiritual darkness. Notice that those who live in darkness are trapped by it, and they're held in bondage to it until Christ sets them free. You'll know the truth, and that truth makes you free. And he who the Son sets free is truly free indeed. Thank God. It's exactly what happens when we are saved. We are set free. Listen to what Colossians 1.13 says. He has rescued us. Can we personalize that and say, he has rescued me? Well, that was about 10 of you. Let's try it again. If you've been rescued, say it with me. He has rescued me. From what? The dominion, the power of darkness. 
and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. So we have, we've been transferred from one kingdom to another, a kingdom of slavery and bondage and misery into the kingdom of God's dear son. He rescued us. And look what was broken, power of darkness, the power of darkness. So while all the hustle and bustle and chatter of people was taking place and inside the no vacancy hotel in Bethlehem, the light of the world was actually born out back. Now, I want to talk about three aspects of Jesus' light. And I'm going to use his own words. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Now, I'm going to suggest to you tonight that those are three components of his light. The way, the truth, and the life. So first, Jesus said, I'm the way. Well, if somebody says to me, I know the way, then it tells me they know how to get me somewhere. They know how to get me where I, where I want to go. You know, if you've ever been truly lost, it's a horrible feeling. How many of you in here have been truly, frighteningly lost? All right? Now, that happened to me once. I took my, my kids when they were little into the woods. Me, I was going to take them to show them the forest. And, and we left at about 2 in the afternoon and we went walking, and this is when I lived on four acres in East Texas, and, and beyond us, we had no neighbors, we had, we had none of this. It was just nothing but, but endless woods uh, all the way into town, miles into town. So I took them into the forest, and I'm, and I'm showing them the birds, and I'm, and I'm showing them the animals, and I'm showing them the different trees and the insects, and I'm just blabbing away, talking, you know me, teaching. And then I realized the sun had started setting. So I said, well, kids, it's time to get back. Now, they're both, you know, they're like this, looking up at me, okay. And then I realized I'd gotten turned around. I couldn't see anything but trees. And I didn't know which way was which. Now, I didn't let on, but inside I'm, because I'm picturing already, I'm a pastor, I'm picturing a helicopter finding me that night. And it being on the East Texas news. So I'm thinking, okay, well, where are we going, Daddy? Well, we're, we're, we're going this way. But I, I was totally lost. And, and it, it just, there was just a minute there where there was this little bit of panic that started right. Not because if I was alone, I said, okay, I'm alone. I'll be okay. But I had two little kids with me. And so I figured out what to do. I had to climb way up in a tree and look for our rooftop. And I saw it. Came back down. We're fine. Let's go. I know exactly which way to go. Because Jeremy, Daddy, are we okay? Yeah, we're okay. Of course we're okay. I know exactly what I'm doing. Outdoorsman here. You see, I had, to, I had to get a vantage point. I had to get way up there and get a vantage point to see where I was. But here, here's the deal. As, as the human race, we don't have a tree to climb. We don't have a, a tree to shinny up and, and look around and get a vantage point. On our own, we can't find the way out. So there had to be somebody who had been up there. And his name is Jesus. And he said, look, I know you're lost. You're lost. 
And I not only know the way, I am the way. I know how to get you back. See, one of Jesus' messages to you and to me, the whole human race, he said, look, let me just tell you the truth about you. You're lost. You are lost. You're lost in the woods of sin. You cannot find your way out. You will never find your way out. You must have someone come and help you find the way or else you're going to stay lost and you're going to die in these woods. Jesus said, I have come to seek and to save that which was lost. That word is so powerful in the original language. It means way more than just being confused about directions. When he said you're lost, here's what the Son of God tells us. He said the word he used means to be destroyed, to be entirely cut off, to totally perish. That's what the word lost means. He said, I have come to seek and to save that which was destroyed, entirely cut off from God, and is going to totally perish if somebody doesn't show them the way out. So Jesus stands in the middle of history with a message to the entire human race. You are lost, you are destroyed, you are entirely cut off, and you will totally perish if you don't let me be your way out and your way home. Buddha didn't do that. Muhammad sure didn't do that. Confucius didn't do that. There's no other world religious leader that ever said anything like that. Jesus alone did. He said the most amazing thing. Remember, Paul said the gospel is a light. They, the spiritually blind, cannot see the light of the gospel. So Jesus doesn't just know the way, he is the way, and that's what the gospel tells us. The minute that sitting in juvenile home, when I was 16 years old, in there for sale of narcotics, lost, so desperately lost. When I heard the gospel, it was a light. Bang! It hit me between the eyes. Never heard it in my whole life. It nailed me. It, I, I felt glued to my seat. I couldn't quit looking at the preacher, listening to him, though I, I tried. And I tried to look cool and look away and act que sarah, sarah about the whole thing. But it was getting to me. It was speaking to me. And it was a light. The gospel was a light. It introduced me to the way. And that night I gave my heart to Christ. Now, as soon as I did, he who had already been up the tree showed me the way home. Amen. 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 Now, the next thing that Jesus said and what the Bible says about his light, his light is the truth. His light is truth. It's truth. I am the truth. He didn't say, I know the truth. Let me help you along. We, we are, we are co-discoverers of the ways of life. No, no. He didn't say, let's learn together. He said, I already know. I know the truth and I am the truth. In the same way that our world languishes in spiritual darkness, folks, I'm going to tell you, we live in a world of lies. 
It only makes sense because here's what Jesus said. Remember, John said the world is under the control of the evil one. And listen to what Jesus said. He called the devil the father of lies. Now, if the world is under the control of the evil one, then what do you think is being fed into the world if the world is under the control of the evil one? Lies. He's a liar. Jesus said he's the father of lies. And look at the way he described him. No love lost between Jesus and the devil here. He said there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. For he is a liar, and he's the father of every lie spawned on earth. Would you believe me if I told you every time you've lied, there's been an influence behind that lie that is of the devil? Because... He said right here, and who am I to refute Jesus? He said, he's the father of all lies. He's a liar. How do you know the devil's lying? If he's talking. He's a a master of half-truths, partial truths. He's always saying, has God said? Do you really believe God said? Are you sure God said? You ought to doubt that word because I'm not so sure God said, are you? How did he get to Eve? Lying. He lied about God's intent for her. He lied about the word. He lied about God's truth and God's command. He lied. He's a liar. Our world, because it's under the influence of the father of lies, lies to us about our spiritual condition as lost people. Going to a college campus, wear a, a vest and... Really be ready these days because those kids are, are not like the ones I went to college with. And I went to college with kids that wouldn't even listen to you talk about Jesus, but at least they would not get in your face and scream at you. Now they will. Go to any college and say, hey, let me, let me tell you something. Let me tell you the truth about you um, this, and, and this world we're living in. This world's full of lies, and you don't know the truth either. You're living in a lie. Tell them that. And then come tell me how that went for you. (laughs) If I was going to go to a college campus and speak, I would fast three days and nights. And I would get on my face and I would put on the full armor of God and I would take a couple of people with me. Because those colleges have so gone over to the enemy uh, the education you used to be able to get, you don't even get anymore. What they are, they're not places where you learn unless it's a specialty like, you know, nursing or architecture. And even then, you're going to have to take some courses where they really lay into your belief in Christianity. But if you're in there for the liberal arts or something like that, don't waste your money. Go learn a trade. Don't worry. Be happy. Stay away, because now they are centers for indoctrination, not learning. A lot of them. There may be some exceptions, but wow, I read a lot. I know what's going on there. This world lies to us about our spiritual condition as lost people. It lies about God. It lies about life. It lies about the reality of eternity and about who Jesus was and is. This world lies about that. We live in a world, if you notice, of scams and half-truths and con games and con artists 
and misrepresentations of reality. Have you noticed this? Our world, our nation right now is swimming and drowning in lies. Big ones. But Jesus told us the truth about ourselves, about God, about life, about eternity, about heaven, about hell about how you and I are really wired and why we do what we do and how we can really get help. Our world was so darkened following the fall of Adam and Eve that when Jesus came and told us the unvarnished truth, it angered and even terrified mankind. They were stunned by his truth. They were stupefied by his truth. They were undone by his truth. They were dumbstruck by things that he said by the brilliance of the light that shone from him, he just blew them away because he was telling truth, not lies. Genuine, undiluted truth as that which came from Jesus stood out. I thought of an illustration. I hope this works. But just picture, just picture a power line with sparrows sitting on the power line and right in the middle is a peacock. You're going to look and you're going to see that peacock and you're going to go, what in the world is that doing there? That's how Jesus' truth came over. It's like, what? Go out and try it. Go out and tell his truth. So blinding was the light of the truth that Jesus shared that it cut like a laser and it broke hard hearts like a hammer breaks rocks. After healing the eyes of a blind man, Jesus told him, I entered this world to render judgment, to give sight to the blind and to show those who think they see that they are blind. His light showed the way. His light brought the truth. And then last, his light is the life. John said his life was the light of men. The spiritual light, when you, when you encountered Jesus, the spiritual light that emanated and exuded from Jesus when you encountered him was like a light to those walking in darkness. He was like a light, and he still is. Jesus' lifestyle, imagine, you know, 21 centuries ago, people met him in person. His lifestyle, his words, the way he loved people, the reflection that he was of God. All these things and more shined like a bright light wherever he went. Jesus told a crowd one day, I've already quoted this, but we'll do it again. He said, I'm the light of the world. Now, do you realize that he's either a psychopath or he's telling the truth when he says that? Right? I'm the light of the world. Not to mention he said, I am God. But he said, I'm the light of the world. Hello. And if you follow me, You won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. His light leads to life, true life, eternal life. Now now I want to close tonight with a challenge. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, you are the light of the world. Now, wait a minute. We just quoted, we talked over and over again in this message about Jesus being the light. So what does he mean if, if he said, I'm the light of the world, he turned around and sermon on the mountain and said, you are the light of the world. What's that about? 
I thought he's the lie of the world. He did say that. But his message is this. And I want, I really want us to catch this as the new year of 2016 comes. His message is once you know him, you are lit with the same light that he brought into the world. Can you say with me tonight, I'm lit. Now, some of you, it's questionable looking. And sometimes you don't feel that way. But the Bible says you are lit. When you got saved, you got lit. You became a candle that he lit. And he lit you with the light of life. So now he says, I'm handing you the candle. I'm handing you the baton. Now I'm the light of the world, but I've lit you with the same light. Now you are the light of the world. Now you go out and shine. Here's the fact. You have the same life in you that was in him. You have the same life in you that was in him. You did not embrace just a religious ideology when you became a Christian. But when Jesus came to live in your heart, he lit you with the light of life. So you have the same life in you that was in him. The Living Bible puts it this way. Now he says, now here's what he added to it. He says, you are the world's light. A city on a hill, glowing in the night for all to see. You catch that? Then he said, don't hide your light, but let it shine for all. Let your good deeds glow for all to see so that they will praise your heavenly Father. He said, now I've lit you with the light of life, but I don't want you to be intimidated by people. I don't want you to be suppressed by the fear of man. I don't want you to worry about what people are going to say about you, but I want you to go forth boldly now that I have lit you with the light of life that I was and still am. Now that you're lit with that same light and life, now I want you to go out boldly and shine. Don't be ashamed of me. Don't cower in front of them. Because now you are the light of the world. You are the world's light, a city on a hill. I have placed you where they can't miss you. Amen. I, I, we're, we're doing a new series starting in January. We're just calling Risk. Risk. And I'm going to talk about risk for four weeks. Risk. Different kinds. But one of the kinds of risk I'm going to talk about is the risk of going all in for Jesus Christ. Because there's a lot of people that have their ticket to ride, but they're not all in. They're reserving. They're, they're pulling back. So, you know what? I'll go to church and I believe in him. Oh, yeah, he's the Savior. Oh, yeah, he's, I believe he's my Savior. But, but you don't see them out there shining. You see them compartmentalizing their faith. In church, it's hallelujah, praise the Lord, kumbaya, I'm a believer. But as soon as they walk out those doors, nobody can tell. Some of you just said, well, I'm not coming to that series. I like feel-good stuff. Let me tell you, if you really want to feel good, you go all in for Jesus. That's where the joy comes from. It really is. That's where the joy comes from. So Jesus said, don't hide your light. So he, here he is. He's the way. Can you say with me? He's the way, the truth, and the life. And those three things are just parts of 
the light. Those are components of the light. And he's called us to shine. Can we stand together tonight?